1: Randy Mueller was a long-time, many-time general manager uh, in the NFL. He's been our guest several times on the show, and we welcome him back, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Bet smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. You can follow uh, Randy on Twitter, on X, at Randy Mueller underscore, So, uh, thanks. I always love having you on, Um, and we were thinking about you at the end of last week and wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, Let's just start with, because we haven't talked to you since they hired Adam Peters, what was your reaction to them getting what was perceived to be the number one this hiring cycle general manager candidate?
0: Well, it's good to be with you, Kevin, and I would concur with that. I think, and I've known Adam a long time, I would, I was excited about the hire. I was also excited that the process didn't get bogged down and that they were able to pull the trigger fairly quick. I think, as we all know, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen sometimes, and I think that can slow the process. But I thought, for my money, Adam was the most qualified and the best guy to hire, uh, and, and they jumped on it, and I give them kudos for doing that.
1: Once they hired him, Randy, a guy that's never been a general manager before but comes from, you know, the 49ers organization, you know him, you think that he's got great potential. Before we get to your reaction on Quinn, should they have approached the head coaching hire looking for somebody with experience, or would it it have mattered to you?
0: Um, I think once they hired Adam, I think all – everything had to be considered, you know, his skill set. you know, his background, you kind of know that you've got to match with the right partner. And so I wasn't necessarily, uh, dissuaded by the people they talked to. I do know that they've had their hand in a lot of different cookie jars and done, and had did a lot of research. So much like the Adam hire, I think the research was done on Adam weeks ago and, and they kind of knew the direction they wanted to go. Um, I'm sure they had some ideas coaching wise, uh, it sounded like they had no issue with pairing him with a first-time head coach as well. I'm not sure at the end of the day that would have worked, um, but I just think Washington's a little different. As you guys know, it's a different demographic. It's a different you know media market. It's big, and it can be convoluted, and it can be distorted, and, and I think uh, with regard to Dan Quinn, they may have hired him last in the cycle compared to the rest of the teams, but I'm not sure that it doesn't come out to be the best fit.
1: All right, so tell us what you think of the hiring of Dan Quinn. I mean, you've just alluded to it, and you seem positive about it, but specifically why?
0: Well, I know Dan again. Dan was our defensive line coach in Miami when Coach Saban and I were together there. Um, I think they get a few things with Dan. I think, one, they get unbridled energy. They get great passion, and I think that has been missing from that chair. I think the ability to connect with everybody on the team is one of his strengths. Um, I think the key for Dan will be obviously his staff, and we're starting to see that come together. Um, I like the fact that he's been there, done that, and he knows good ideas from bad ideas now. I think that's important for that chair, especially in Washington. I think you've got to know that some things you may have tried in the past aren't going to work. And really, I'm not talking about schematically, I'm talking about just people skills, right? I think those jobs. Uh, For different reasons, the GM and the head coach are really about people skills and managing the people around you and the opinions and the ideas. That's a job in itself. And I think uh, Dan will do that as well as anybody.
1: I remember that you, you know, were critical of when Rivera kind of said how excited he was to kind of coach again. And you were like, well, what have you been doing? I'm paraphrasing (laughs) you. But in that column in The Athletic, and I had you on shortly thereafter, and we've talked about it a little bit here. My personal view, and I want to know if you think this is right or wrong. I want Dan Quinn, I I want him to lead, but I also want him to do what got him this gig and what has gotten him his gigs before, and that is to design defensive game plans and call defensive plays. Do you agree with that or not? 100%.
0: I think the further these coaches get away from just what you described, the bigger our issues are. And I think we saw that with Ron. Um, I think Dan Quinn will always be in that defensive staff room. I think he will have great ideas. He, he, this guy works for Nick Saban and Pete Carroll, okay? He has ideas. He has things that have worked. Um, I think you, you mentioned the design of the game plans that he's had in Dallas the last couple of years I think have been outstanding. They haven't come without a few warts, but I think knowing what he knows now, he's better for the job because of it. And I, I'll be interested to see how they construct this roster based on what he really envisions defensively as far as the scheme goes.
1: You know, uh, you're bringing up the the dolphin team that you were the general manager of. I I, I, I don't think I've asked you about this, but what a wild, you know, year that must've been, um, you know, having Nick Saban as your head coach, uh, you know, you mentioned Quinn. I don't, I can't remember who your defensive coordinator was. Um, who was it? Who was the defensive coordinator?
0: Well, it was Dom Capers for a while. It, we had uh, several during during my time there, but I think that the year you're alluding to was our second year there, and uh, Richard Smith and then Dom, Dom Capers were were the defensive coordinators. We had an unbelievable staff, um, Kevin. It was filtered through from Kirby Smart to Will Muschamp to Derek Dooley as being college guys, but we also had Mike Mularkey, uh, yeah, Dan on the staff, uh, Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan. We had a bunch of head. Wasn't coaches Kirby on that staff.
1: Smart a part of those teams or not? Or am I remembering incorrectly?
0: No, he definitely was. He was there uh, during Nick's second year and was a defensive back coach for us at the time.
1: Wow, well, I mean, sometimes when you look back at these old staffs, you can just find incredible gems that were on staffs. Yeah. But you know, there's the the discussion over so many years of Nick Saban and it not working out in Miami and Drew Brees and if Drew Brees had passed the physical or whatever what do you remember about those days and the Brees thing in particular I'm just curious
0: well it was every time I see Nick and it's been what 10 or 12 years now maybe even longer we always come back to the point of if we had found a way to pass Drew Breeze, we'd probably all still be in Miami. So it it was a little convoluted. It was crazy. Uh, and I've told the story many times. I had a deal done with Drew Brees and Tom Condon and his agent, on a napkin in my pocket when we got the call from our doctor saying we can't do this. And it, it caught us all by surprise. That wasn't part of the plan, that's for sure. And sometimes those things happen. But yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I'd say this. Everybody bangs on Nick for his time in the pros. I think Nick would have been just fine and actually been a really good pro coach had he been able to endure a little bit of a rebuild. You don't have to do that necessarily in college, but right. as we know, there's a lot of change in the NFL every every year, and I think the amount of decisions that you have to make year to year on your roster sometimes bog people down, and, and that may have Sent Nick back to Alabama for sure, and uh, obviously he became the greatest college coach ever.
1: I'm forgetting, uh, and I'm getting sidetracked here, and I'm going to get back to Washington <laughs> here in a moment. But yeah. but this stuff is always I, I'm forgetting who the quarterback ended up being.
0: It ended up being Dante Culpepper. We got from Minnesota, right. and it's ironic right. that our doctors passed him because he had come through a, a terrible knee injury. He he never was healthy once we signed him and had him so we passed on Drew Brees and signed Dante Culpepper it was a crazy set of events for a couple weeks in Miami for sure
1: yeah all right we are talking to longtime NFL GM he's been he's been in the league for a while and and has lots of stories to tell um, so we talked about Dan Quinn tell me what you think of the Cliff Kingsbury hiring.
0: I think it's great. I think Cliff brings a different dynamic, and, and I'll be honest, it's a scheme that people struggled with the first half of the season, and it was the same at Texas Tech, um, but seemed to figure it out in the second half. In other words, uh, I think Cliff's going to have to have a second pitch, so to speak, but I think Dan's going to help him there. I like the hire. Obviously, the quarterback matters. That'll be a topic of discussion, especially in the next couple months. But I think the key for – really the commanders and for Dan is figuring out a way to use this offensive scheme and still play complementary football with the defensive side. That's the key is they've got to find a way to reach a happy medium to not just gain yards and gain first downs, but win games. And sometimes that comes with the offense and defense and and managing the game from the head coach's standpoint, uh, working together.
1: What's it been like to be in the NFL for such a long period of time and see a lot of the innovation, especially on offense, come from the lower levels and have some resistance to adopting that? Um, you've been in 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 the league forever, and and there. Would you, first of all, I guess I should ask you: Do you agree with me that a lot of the offensive innovation, in particular, has been? at the college and the high school level over the last 30 years?
0: I think I would agree with that. I think the big the big issue is there's not enough players to go around at the elite levels, and that could be said for high school and college as well. So innovative offenses have made up the difference. The sure. run and shoot, the, the, the spread, all of that stuff has come to fruition because – there just aren't enough big offensive linemen and, and defensive linemen to win the old-fashioned way. But I do think the one thing that hasn't changed, even though these offenses have evolved, is quarterbacks still have to process information and make throws from the pocket. That that seems to be the thing that has endured all of the schemes and all of the time, and that's really because defensive coaches are really good, and eventually they will keep you in the pocket, and you've got to make changes to your to your decision-making while you're on the clock and that means post snap and that hasn't changed at all
1: you know you you reminded me something cuz you know having navy here in our backyard just the service yep. academies in particular have always made up the difference between in talent with triple option football you know it's yep. it's been a way to kind of disguise their lack yep. of size and overall talent um, and kept them competitive over the years
0: uh, we're talking. Some people refer yeah. to it as a gimmick, but it's not a gimmick. It's, it's what they can do because it allows them to build a team differently and, and give themselves chances.
1: Exactly. Um, we're talking to Randy Mueller. Um, so the quarterback, uh, you know, between Adam Peters and Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury, they're going to be looking at quarterback. They've got number two overall. You don't get into this position very often. I know the last time that we had you on, which was still during the season, I think you really hadn't spent much time at that point looking at the quarterbacks. Do you have a better sense of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels in terms of the top three, and any sort of hunch on the kind of QB that would fit Kingsbury the best? Obviously, he just worked with Caleb Williams.
0: Well, I do. I've studied a lot of tape uh, since we last talked, and my top three might not be your top three, or the prevailing wins top three. But well, you're the
1: GM. Okay, I'm,
0: yeah, I'm not in a position to predict what people are going to do. What I hope to do is tell you who's going to be the best three years out, and, and that's kind of what, how I look at these guys. Um, I think Caleb Williams is a really talented kid. I think he's really good, and when I watch his tape, I say, wow, way more than I should, and I'm not one of those guys that's easily impressed. So I like what I've seen from him. I don't have reservations like some had with regard to USC's second half of the season. Um, I think this kid carried a program that was average uh, talent-wise, and, and so I give him credit for that. With regards to the second and third guys, uh, I think that's up for debate. Um, I've, I've been a little critical of Drake May. I don't see what everybody else says. I sees, I do like Jalen Daniels. Jaden Daniels a lot. I think he's worthy of being a top-ten pick. Um, I think JJ McCarthy is going to have some say in this once coaches dig into the reasoning why he put up subpar numbers. But I think they'll see his upside as being really special. So he'll probably figure into the mix here in the top 12 picks. But the, the order and, and the sequencing of them is still a little work in progress. Some have brought in Michael Penix up there, but we know about the medical issues with him. So it'll be a fun process to vet out these next couple months and I think quarterback uh, always gets the attention and they get overdrafted because of the nature of the position that's probably going to be the case this year as well but I don't have any doubts about Caleb Williams
1: so what would what's so you've done this before so many times what's (laughs) critical for this organization beyond the tape what will be a, the driving factors beyond the tape? Because I, 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 I love Jaden Daniels, too, um, like you do, and Caleb Williams. Wow, yes. W- what will ultimately be super important for Adam Peters, Dan Quinn, and Cliff Kingsbury to determine?
0: Well, I think that the biggest issue that they have to solve internally is that they can't draft a player because their need is so great. He's got to equal – He'll set, He's got to equal upside. All of that has to factor in. And if you're just going to base it on we need a quarterback, you may make a mistake. But if they have the same passion after viewing these guys that they have for others at the position, then by all means, I think they probably have to make a move to a quarterback. But if there's uh, a giant step to a Caleb Williams from wherever you have at, at number two or number three, then I think you do have to exhaust all options to try to get that first pick and consider your other options rather than just drafting a quarterback because we need one.
1: It sounds to me like you think Drake May would be an example of perhaps overdrafting. Do you think Jaden Daniels at number two would be?
0: Well, not to my – I mean, I've seen a lot of tape, and I remember going back even seeing him his freshman year at Arizona State. Um, I think he's worthy, like I said, of – being a top five pick and if if you can determine that he is that valuable um in in his just talking about his skill set compared to other positions then it's it's fine to draft a need in my opinion but these are just my opinions I don't know what the commanders are going to think and do and sort out but I do like Jaden Daniels and I think he's worthy of being a top pick for sure
1: Always great to catch up. Uh, I didn't. Well, real quickly, we. I've got 30 seconds. Super Bowl pick, who do you like and why?
0: I have a problem picking against Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And I know it's not the sexy answer, but if you're giving me two points and Pat Mahomes, I'm going to take that all day long. So that's kind of where I'm leaning at this point.
1: Randy, thanks so much. Always appreciate the time.
0: Sounds good. Appreciate it, Kevin.
1: Yep. Randy Mueller, everybody. Thanks to. Randy, thanks to Sam Fortier, thanks to Ryan Abraham, thanks to Ben Standig. Did I miss anybody? Hit them all. I hit them all. Uh, More Super Bowl talk as we move through the rest of the week, if applicable, based on our circumstances. But I did want to mention that Super Bowl trivia starts tomorrow. That's a tradition unlike any other. Chris Russell is up next. Thanks again for coming Friday night.